1: Welcome to General Queries. We are at episode three. Three is my lucky number. So I hope you're all having an incredibly lucky day on this incredibly wet afternoon. I am joined in the studio today by Alex. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Bit wet, but I'll I'll survive. Yeah, it does kind of happen when there's rain outside. Yeah, kind of. of. (laughs) uh, Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. Yeah, cool. Um, So. What brings you into the studio de- today? How um, do you identify pronouns? How would you like people to refer to you on the stream?
2: <laughs> um, ideally, uh, I, I identify just as a gender. So it, personally, gender is something that I don't really consider. So any any pronoun. But I am a big, kind of bulky guy with, with a beard. So <coughs> he, him is usually the one that people go for. Yeah. But um, they, them is the one that I'm, I'm normally identifying as. Okay. I prefer, but I'm, I'm easy.
1: We will, we will use them accordingly. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, what do you do around the place? What are um,
2: well, I'm in my final year of the BFA drama at QUT. Um, not much else, really. I, I, I work a very um, sporadically with um, a small collective called Interim Theatre, um, and we've got a couple of shows under our belts, but apart from that, I'm still, still cutting my teeth, but getting
1: there we will, we will talk about those shows what later because i'm i'm very means. i'm actually really interested in your work you know this but <laughs> I do, I'm, I I'm very interested yeah, in and your and work I'm, and everything I'm happy to that talk you about do. It, yeah. um yeah so um so your identity what does that what does that mean to you how does how does that kind of affect how you live your life personally
2: it's something that i don't usually consider it's a it's a weird space that i live in with regards to my queerness initially to begin with like i hated the word queer for a long time it took me long enough to just become comfortable with that word but um in regards to my sort of sexuality and all of that sort of stuff I'm still not sure at 26 so and that's the weird thing but in regards to identity it is just something that it's never really at the forefront of my mind it's sort of just at the back really and I'm not exactly sure how that sounds to, to people listening but it, it's sort of like it's just something that I don't usually think about really
1: No, no, that's, that's so valid. Like some, some people, I especially like, especially on the gender front, like you kind of just like, it, it exists, like it it happens. (laughs) Like something
2: we'll, 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 figure that out later.
1: Yeah. You kind of, I don't don't know if this is your experience, but you kind of just go through labels and you're just like, yeah, you try it on like a nice shirt and eventually like you find the one that you really, really like and you're like, yeah, "Yeah, this this works. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you, maybe you just stick with it. Like, Yeah. uh, yeah. Like I know, like I have some labels that are just like, this is the one, yes. this is it. Yes. Yes. Um, and then some, you still kind of, just keep playing around yeah. with until, until you get that so figured out. Yeah. yeah. So it's, and I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're like saying that it's a journey. Yes, yeah, it, it, it is. Most.
2: And if anyone who says otherwise is, is wrong. Because it is, it's a, it's, it's It's like the, the clothing rack at a Kmart. You gotta keep trying to find one that fits, and it never does fully.
1: Oh God, yeah. Some of them, some of them never do, <laughs> which is which is kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, coming back to like my general theme of language is a good time, mm. and we need to keep developing it most definitely. Yeah, which is something that I hope will happen in the next mm-hmm. 10, 15 years. Hopefully, yeah. What do
2: you mean by that? Just like a an expansion of yeah, of uh, collective. Uh, the the dialogue that
1: we're using, I think yeah. it it's still like from from the beginnings of of the community being formed. Yeah, yeah, we're we're still developing it. And I I don't think it will ever stop, but yeah. it it's interesting to kind of see how people are changing the language yeah. as it as it goes on. Yeah, which is really nice, and it's really nice to just kind of hear that because there's a lot of
2: Latin words that people have forgotten, and putting them together to identify yourself is an, is yeah. a good
1: thing. Yeah. And it's just it's lovely to do. Yeah. So yeah, um, so how did how did you kind of come to this um revelation, I guess? how did you About my identity? Yeah.
2: Look, as I said, it's not something that I've ever really considered, but it was like I I, uh, I identify currently as uh panromantic, but homosexual kind of grey, asexual, homosexually aligned. I'm not exactly sure what the verbiage is. But um, in all honesty, it was mostly just a trial and error of like um i felt romantically attracted to, to girls and 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 other people and basically people but then there was always that sort of when it came to that point of okay when are we going to have sex it's like let's let's not let's just sit down and talk i don't really want that <clears throat> yeah it was it's was trial and error it's a it's as you said a journey and that's exemplified in in what I've experienced
1: yeah did you have um because I know like my experience was very much like I I spent most of my teenage years going like oh I'm straight by default I don't (laughs) I don't know what it is but I'm I'm just straight by default like did you have something similar to be honest
2: yeah um kind of like and that being someone who is romantically attracted to to the opposite gender yeah, you you get the idea of like yeah, cool. Because as a kid, you don't really know or care what sex is mm. until you hit a certain point. And then you are like, oh, okay, but um, <laughs> but um, there is that that romantic attraction is was the thing that I sort of based on. I I still had same sex sort of like mm-hmm. same sex and same gender sort of attraction, but it was something I am like, okay, that's weird. Let's just bottle that up and let that explode out when I am when I am seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was something that sort of yeah I did fall mm-hmm. back on it, but then like most people, and I'm sorry to say, I I, I went to the bisexual. I was like, I'm just bi. Mm. Okay. I still like I still like girls. I'm yep. still I'm still kind of straight, but then it just, as I said, it, it it's something that I don't really think about actively, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing.
1: So in in terms of like that, does that affect how you go about, or if at all, interacting with the community?
2: Kind of like I've never. I'm quite introverted to begin with. I'm very quiet. I'm very. It takes a lot for me to get out for long periods of time. And the queer community is quite the opposite from what from like the the major sort of things. Like I went to Pride a couple of times, socially and physically drained by halfway through it, and I had to leave and that sort of stuff. It was like it's very out there and very sort of bombastic, and I do like that. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I'm <laughs> I me. I like bombastic. I like all that sort of stuff, but it's just. It can be draining to to be that, and it's hard to find. I think if if speaking of God, I'm all over the place, but um, <laughs> uh, it's it's hard to find things within the community that are quieter, yeah, a bit more subdued and a bit more calm, yeah. Because like even now, uh, people are like, oh, we're going clubbing. You want to come? And I'm like, I'd rather not.
1: <laughs> yeah, there is there is a huge kind of move in. The, uh, there's a mainstream, stream, yeah. this mainstream move um, to have like these really big, boisterous yes. occasions, and, and it, I'm
2: kind of all for it. But it's this thing of like I can only, I feel like I can only encounter it and be with it at a distance. I I don't feel comfortable yeah. being inside of it. I feel like I like watching
1: it. Yeah, and there's not a lot of. um I, I think, like, for, for the smaller communities, like, I know that there's a youth group that yes. does picnics regularly, yes. but you kind of age out of yeah. those. I'm, and I'm 26 at the moment,
2: so I can't exactly. Yeah, you can't join this, youth, youth yeah.
1: things. And I, I know that, like, as we said, as I said in the last podcast, like, there are, like, ace groups that yes. do meetups once a month. Yeah. But there's nothing that generally happens for, yeah, people out, like, older than 21. Yeah. Like, everything.
2: It, it, it feels like a very young thing. Yeah, it's for for the youth, and I think definitely they're the people that need it. Mm -hmm. They're the people that need it to be. They're the people that need it constantly said to them: "This is fine. This is okay. This is this is normal. This is all right that you're like this." Mm. And I don't need that anymore, and I I appreciate that. But it's just as someone who hasn't sort of maintained within the community, it feels hard to get back into it. Yeah. So
1: are you? If, if there was a chance for that kind of thing to to happen, would you would you follow it? Would you, as in a quieter means of, yeah, yeah definitely, most definitely. Yeah, we might.
2: I'd, I'd adore that. I'd I'd find I I wouldn't religiously do it because, like, I mean, I'd, but I would yeah. act on that as much as possible.
1: It, it's nice to kind of have, have it as an option. Yeah, yeah, have it as an option, which would be a really nice thing. It actually. Would yeah, most I, definitely. I heard a while back of doing like um lgbt cafes
2: yes that's something that i'd love
1: yeah and i think i think there's only a few in in america yeah
2: i do remember that there is there was i think a a bookstore in west end called bent books yeah yeah i mean a um a uh, lgbtq um bookstore yeah that, that was just a quiet little place full of Various books and owned and run by LGBTQ people. Yeah, well. and that was interesting. I'm not sure if it still exists, but it.
1: Yeah, we yeah. might we might look into it because yeah, I'd means. be I'd be really interested to yeah. to kind of go because I didn't I didn't know that it existed yeah. actually.
2: Yeah, it, it, it should still be there. It's at West End somewhere.
1: West End somewhere. Okay, somewhere. we will we will go and, and search for this <laughs> mysterious. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> um. It's still there. Nice, excellent update it's still there everyone (laughs) yeah 2058 boundary street apparently go and go and buy books and support and hopefully they'll turn it into a cafe hopefully and i will just turn up there and read and read books definitely um note to me again we should look into getting people who like cafe here. thank you um yeah so did you have have you ever outside of pride yeah actually no i think my question is more what was Pride like for you? Because I've never actually been to Pride, and um, I and went to yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm I'm kind of interested in like what was what was outside of the march.
2: Outside of the march was the the day the fair day, mm. which was it was nice, um, very as I said, it's very open, very happy, very very energetic, very bombastic. But it was uh, oh gosh, where is it? Uh, the park in South Bank, the big one. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head because I had like been terrible with. Uh
1: park in South Bank. Just across... oh, near near the beach?
2: Mm, yeah, bit bit further back. It's not Mowbray Park because that's further down. But it oh, was at, yeah, at but... a at a at a at a large park. Um there was drag queens, there was drag shows, there was music, there was all mm. that sort of stuff. And very very small little areas to, to, to talk to walk around in stalls and things. And it was very outside of the march it was very party like. Like yeah. I went with my brother and there was drugs going around and things like that so all that sort of stuff as well so
1: fun times yeah. and it's,
2: that's yeah that's the other thing as well that, that I've at least when I was younger it might might have changed now mm-hmm. but when I was 18 17 16 around those areas there was a very heavy drug it's, drug drugs social life around it
1: yeah it seems to be like in my experience and I don't have like a huge mm-hmm. sort of club culture experience yeah, yeah. um especially in the queer scene but it does seem to be like a huge thing like oh, yeah. you just if you're queer and you're at a social event, there just happens yes. to be drugs there, which is probably indicative of like the high drug use rates yes. that we have. Yeah, um, yeah, which is upsetting. Yeah, and I know that like people like Open Doors. Yes, um, groups Op- like Open Doors are amazing. Oh them. yeah, if if anyone's out there and they need support, yes, just by all means
2: go for it. Go to Open Doors. They,
1: they are so amazing. Um, Drop ins are incredible. The people there, like you just walk in and you're just like, "Hi, I need help with this thing," mm. and they just immediately take you on board but they've they've had to um put aside some of their resources specifically for like alcohol and yeah. drug addictions because that's just such a huge thing within the community, yeah. which is sad when you think about it, like this is just what we have, yeah, yeah so
2: but uh, as i said i'm not a, I'm not entirely sure of how it is now, but I hope it's changing,
1: yeah, you can. You can but hope yeah. that that people are are, are getting out, out there. If, if, and if it
2: is, by all means, tell me that it is. I'd, I'd love to hear that.
1: Yeah, I I should probably get a little bit more involved and, and see what <laughs> what's happening yeah, out yeah. there. But um, yeah, it's a huge issue. Hmm. Um, how what what I'm really interested yeah, in, yeah. um, especially with artists, yes. um, and just how you make art. Because yeah. I know, like, my art specifically um, with the work that I'm currently mm-hmm. putting together, it's very like queer focused yeah. and, and it's very much about trying to explore and develop language. Yeah, yeah. How does your identity kind of come into your art making? Right.
2: I was thinking about this yesterday, a couple of days after you asked me to come on, and it struck me that I, I, I'm studying and currently working as a dramaturg, mm. which for those uninitiated, um, is someone who works in theatre as kind of like an editor. For, for a live stage performance or a, a work in progress. And the main thing about a dramaturg is that your voice is not doesn't come through in the art. It's, it's, you, their focus is less on their own artistic and creative inputs and more on the work itself and the, and the artist, the writer making it. They're kind of like an advocate for the work and the potential that the work has. And that is how I see myself in my art. I am not myself. I have my ideas and my my theories and my strategies for helping, but I, my art doesn't come, my self doesn't come through in the artwork. Okay, And that's something that I kind of find interesting to begin with because it's a thing of I'm not known. My name is there, but
1: that's it. There's, there's no part of you within the work. There is.
2: But a major skill for a dramaturg is being able to distance yourself from the artwork and look at it as an outside observer. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a bit of a, a tightrope walk. Yeah. between sort of advocating for the power that the 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 piece has while also remaining objective to what it is and how it sits
1: yeah so have you ever gotten the chance to work with queer artists and try and find that voice or not
2: necessarily at the moment but um uh yeah not 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 yet but um it's something that i am open to and i'd love to do but uh, for myself and my own sort of artistic sort of thing it's it's less a, less less myself coming through my art and more the writer and being there as a person who can assist mm-hmm. as being the outside eye.
1: Yeah. Um. Especially like I'm I'm interested in in dramaturgy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I'm interested in like everything yeah, words, yeah. but it, why specifically dramaturgy? Why? As in the word etymo, you know, etymologically. Well, well, for you, why why dramaturgy?
2: Well, I, I came out of high school. Um, after graduating, after leaving for a year, so I was 18 when I graduated, wanting to work in theatre, thinking, hey, I'm funny, hey, I have no filter, I could probably become an actor. Wrong. (laughs) Very wrong. Uh, I took a year of an acting course and I did not have the emotional stability to maintain that sort of stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool, I still love theatre, maybe I can be a writer. Wrong. (laughs) Very wrong. ADHD is a thing that exists and... Uh, a strong work ethic, something that I uh, had yet to maintain and yet to come yeah. with. So I found this weird little word through all of my studies and all of my sort of looking at what theatre is called dramaturgy. I'm like, okay, what the hell is that? And I looked at it and I'm like, nice, that's interesting. It's research-based, it's it's theory, mm-hmm. it's it's um looking at plays critically and looking mm-hmm. at how they work, considering their thematic and, and cultural context. I'm like, yeah, cool, I can go into that. And then that's where it started. It was just the thing of like, I love theatre. Mm-hmm. I adore the power that theatre has and what it can do, but I don't like being seen. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. And then from there, it just became more understanding what it does, and that just added to it.
1: Yeah. What, what have you done in the past? What, have you, what kind of works do we have to your name? Um, well, you name, so to say. <laughs> um, the
2: first main one that I, I sort of had was at university, which was a piece, um, uh, sort of a collage. Piece for one of the units uh, directed by Bridget Boyle, who is an absolute amazing person. She is incredible. <laughs> one of the best, best directors in Brisbane. Uh, it was called um, Other Voices, which mm-hmm. was a collaborative collage of segments of uh, strong female writers and female characters in drama that were all put together through a theme of their their femininity and their womanness. Mm-hmm. And I basically played two characters. Um, I did not so much characters. I played one character from uh, Marcel Dorney's Fractions. Mm-hmm who is Synesius, which is a wonderful character and a very good play if you want to read it, but um, as well as I did a speech by Toni Morrison. So I, I spoke to Bridget and I'm like, I kind of identify as queer. I'd like to play multiple mm-hmm. genders if possible. And I, I managed to yeah. sort of be one of those weird in-betweeners within this yeah. female sort of swing cast with about four male four male, four male actors and the rest yeah. are all female. And I was this little the swinger in the middle who sort of, Went stood as a middle ground, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but um, from there, we did, uh, along with We Started Interim, which was with Serena Baker, Riley Kamajo and myself, mm-hmm. um, and we did a short and sweet show called Numb, mm-hmm. which was very lovely, very interesting, beautiful piece that Serena Baker wrote. Um, d- did pretty well. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, from there, we then went to uh, Fast. Mm-hmm. With a show called um, "If Thy Tongue Could Speak,"
1: yes, which you which have heard me rave on about, most
2: definitely have, and I'm very proud of that piece. It was basically a look at Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus, but recognizing the fact that the character Lavinia is unjustly treated, mm. and attempting to rectify and almost bring forward this idea that what is done to her in the in the show is is not necessary, and sort of the the terror that it is, mm. and. Yeah, and that was a powerful piece. I I do have to say, Mm. for for those sort of un unaccustomed to Titus Andronicus, um, it's basically the story of a Roman general whose family is all destroyed, is all killed in a in a sort of kind of feud between another person and one of the major people who is sort of attacked because of that is his daughter Lavinia, Mm. who is raped and mutilated by the sons of Caron and Demetrius, and and then left basically as a as a mute. Yeah, as a constant symbol, and quote unquote, of everything the shame the, that 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 is there. Yeah, and, and we wanted to look at that and sort of examine what where that stands in modern society and mm. with with the current political social political climate. Yeah, and yeah, we did that by after the act was permitted was enacted upon mm. Lavinia, she was replaced by a puppet.
1: Yeah,
2: and yeah, and
1: it was absolutely it was absolutely beautiful like no i you've heard me rave on about this but i um, need um, to stress that it was absolutely beautiful the last um couple of moments because you spend so much time in and like you you start off with lavinia the human and then you go to lavinia the puppet
2: and if i can say siobhan gibbs the person who played who played Lavinia, did an amazing job at it. She, she was absolutely she
1: wonderful. And in the last couple of seconds where um, Titus reaches past puppet Lavinia and actually sees human Lavinia just broke my heart. Yeah, I, it was... the,
2: the essential dramatic and thematic in action was Lavinia still puppeted mm. the, the puppet. And, no, uh, Chiron and Demetrius puppeted her and then there was a point where Lavinia took, yeah. took, the puppet back. And it then, was, you know.
1: it was, it was for me. It was this lovely dialogue of of trauma, yes, um, which was just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad I got to see it. I'm
2: I'm very glad that you enjoyed it, and yeah. I'm, I'm very thankful to to have worked on it
1: because. Mm. So, What do you? No, no. Go continue Um, with your your statement. I was going to ask what what you're doing now. Well, currently,
2: um, we've just finished uh, a show at uh, Fresh Blood Festival from Mm -hmm. Vina Carver called "Fleeting" uh, within a fleeting moment, which was also very good. (laughs)
1: Um, just hit a hit a hit a prop you up. It was Uh, incredible.
2: Yeah, uh, kind of an installation, uh, immersive installation with uh, a overarching narrative of the audience falling into another space where things are forgotten. Mm -hmm. Forgotten things sort of appear.
1: Yeah.
2: And they're guided through it by this, this lovely character played by Talia Downs, who did an amazing job as well. She is um,
1: incredible, and she's the only other Talia I've ever met, <laughs> which, like, emotional, like, immediate emotional, yeah. spiritual connection yeah, to yeah. her, and she's incredible.
2: Yeah. And we're very thankful to, to the Metro Arts and, and Megan and, and Olivia Olivia Williams and everyone at, at Vina Carver for, yeah. for having us for that and being so accommodating, because it was a very, a very um, spatial heavy it was, <laughs> piece of theatre. It, it needed a very specific space.
1: But it was also beautifully done. Everything with like the tunnel. Yeah, was... There, was, there
2: was a point where you enter into a room and everything's there and then the door opens again and it's a different space and you go through there. Yeah, it was, That was all Riley Camajo's work and it was all, the entire group did it an was, amazing job. And... It was so
1: beautiful. So yeah, okay, And now we, we've moved on from, <laughs> from within a fleeting moment and yeah. we're doing... Currently
2: uh, we have a, a show programmed for uh, Fast again mm-hmm. this year. Um, it's called The Call which is a work in progress um, based on a nuclear disarmament theory brought about by a guy named Fisher in 1982, I think, which basically says and sort of proposes the idea that the nuclear codes for nuclear launch Mm -hmm. should be kept in a small pill next to a volunteer's heart and the president should carry around with him a knife. And if ever he wants to set those launches off, he has to kill the person, kill one person and the the show is that scenario the the volunteer and the president waiting for the call to do this that they should do this.
1: Wow, <laughs> that is yes, actually it's, incredible yeah um, it's, a,
2: it's a pretty heavy and pretty heady sort of um, piece, but the one thing that um, Elizabeth Hunt is also within interim at the moment working on that as um, kind of a co-creator and and quasi-production manager as well, and she's wonderful. Everyone in every, – I keep saying wonderful, but they're all wonderful. I love the people I work with. But um, uh, And she sort of came about with the, this, this idea, mm-hmm. and we all agreed that there is a lot of – most theatre, if I can switch to theatre, most theatre is very heavy. Mm. There's lots of heaviness and lots of – very serious theatre, mm. and there's very few moments of lightness and very few moments of beauty and brevity, mm-hmm. and we want to be that. Yeah. As a, as a company of interim theatre, we, 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 at least I would like it to be something like that. Something that's there's all this heavy stuff, and then there's this bit of light yeah. in the background, and we're we're trying to find the lightness, like the the humanity within this inhuman encounter between a president and an a nameless volunteer mm. who is holding between them the death of the entire world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it, yeah, actually. Please. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, uh, it is. I will double check what dates it's it. It's November. It is within November. Sometime. We November will do. We will
1: do a a call out for it of some kind. It
2: is November the twenty third and November the twenty
1: fourth. Okay, um, catch me there. Most definitely. Um, Love to see you. Oh yeah, yeet! Um, it's <laughs> gonna be a good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think we might as well while we're talking about and, and while we're talking about theatre and. And language and stuff like that. Um, how just to bring it back to for, our main focus. On. Apologize. Um, I, I
2: tangent a lot. No, oh no, no, no. I, I think <laughs> I
1: think tangents are, are where you get the best work. Um, and especially like in my work, um, a lot of the tangents that you do go on. I think you know this is a dramaturg, Like if a writer goes on a tangent, yes, that's the crux of what they're trying to yeah. to talk With, about. Within
2: the creative um creative team of interim, we have this rule, which is um, don't apologize for tangents. If ever we we go off topic, we we don't apologize for it. You're not allowed to. The second you say we have got to get back, it's like shut up. No, don't apologize for tangents. Keep going back.
1: Yeah, I, I was. And it does work. Yeah, it Sorry. does work. No, no. Um, but in terms of of language, where where would you like to? I think what I'm what I'm trying to yeah. ask is is where do you think language will progress, and and how do you think um, queer theatre will will move in in Brisbane in the next however many years?
2: I'd like to see it get more mainstream. Mm-hmm. But not so much mainstream as in like Priscilla Queen of the Desert is amazing, but I'd love to see mainstream like smaller more intimate moments as opposed to the big bombastic ones. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see more realist things. But I think it it definitely has means to move it that way, but it's it's the opportunity and the job of of the younger mm-hmm. the younger creatives and the younger theatre makers and the younger dramaturgs and the younger writers. Yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. And put their put their ideas forward be be brave be courageous with their ideas and their work to push it forward to push the boundaries to to move it into another place instead of letting it stagnate where it is and yeah asserting themselves and saying that this is i need to say this i want to say this this is a story and a, a an idea that i want to make mm. that i need to make
1: yeah and and again like uh, your opinion as a dramaturg i think is also really interesting yeah. to to me um Where do you think the line should be drawn in terms of talking about your own stories through theatre and through art in general?
2: That is a very interesting question, most definitely, but it's it's a pertinent question specifically for a lot of people because a lot of writing people, like a lot of writing um, teachers, a lot of writing books say to write what you know, Mm. but it's hard to do that, but it's also dangerous for some Mm. people because there are some people who do go a bit too deep into Mm. what they're doing, but I think a writer is also a dramaturg mm. a writer is an editor in and of themselves and it's having that courage and that sort of faith in your own ability to distance yourself from a work and finding that point where it's like okay i need to go back and have a look at what i've done and whether i need to stop for a minute and just figure this out and i think that's where it has to sit it's it's you can go deep but it's just have a tether it's like like deep sea diving mm. like you still have a tether back up to the boat and sort of knowing when to tug on that and have someone pull you back out mm and you can do that yourself most definitely and but having someone else a friend a dramaturg just read it and be with you and be with that process with you to mm. guide you through it or help you through things or talk to someone because a lot of people say writing is a very solitary thing and mm. it kind of is but theater is a collaborative work yeah and collaboration is what makes it live
1: yeah um i think last question yeah, yeah. before we before we wrap up sure thing. um for would you have any tips for anyone who's questioning or um curious how wh- where would you want them to start or how to get into the community where where would you lead them
2: I'd say look in before looking out Pers- personally that's the thing that helped me was looking into myself looking into where I sit and then going out but once again there are people who there are people that have people to help you mm-hmm. It's it's just like dramaturgy like be a writer, but have someone there to help you be look inside of yourself, consider where where you are, but also have someone out there to pull mm-hmm. you back out should you go too far. yeah, yeah. but reach out like it, it's a it's a it's a tried all thing, but like time yeah. does heal it eventually, and it does get better once you sort of have the courage and the the not so much courage I think that's a bad word, but just the it's it's a weird word I'm thinking about. It's kind of courage, but it's also bravery. It's sort of just the, the steadfastness fastness to sort of find who you are and stay with it and realize that it will change.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. Because it's a weird, fluid thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm just talking. No, no, moment. no.
1: It's, it's, it's beautiful. Don't apologize for <laughs> tangents.
2: Sure thing, sure thing. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, I think are we good for that? Yeah, I think we might wrap up Excellent. now. But thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> I adore your work. I thank adore you. you. Thank um, you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and for everyone out there in podcast listening land, uh, stay safe, stay warm, drink water. I'll see you next time.